0: You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy this sermon. I had a dirty, dirty job. I'm not talking about when I was a lawyer, this, this was different. Um, it was my first time in Honduras my wife and I had gone out there, and we were put on a construction team. Um, And so we were on this construction team, and we were going to build a bathroom. It was actually more than a bathroom. It was like, I can't remember if there was a shower, but there was one kind of stall with a toilet, and then there was something they call a pia. This is just for your information in Honduras. They have these things called pias. They're basically a big basin of water, and they use it to like wash their clothes. I've seen people wash their hair in there, that type of thing. So next time that you're Washer takes a little too long. Just think you could be using a pia outside washing your clothes, which is what they do. So we were creating or building this bathroom. Um, And later actually went back and we built a building of classrooms in the same spot for a church there, actually over the bathroom, integrated the bathroom. We used concrete block, the bathroom we had used bricks for. I've got a picture of it here. Um, If we can get that up. There it is. So that building there in the background, beautiful, isn't it? and you're probably thinking, I don't think I would trust a building that David made. And I'm offended by that. But I agree with you. I would not either. If you go to Honduras, I would not lean too heavily against the side of that building. Okay? It's, uh, you never know. Oh, no, I'm kidding. It's, it's very strong. Listen, the, the fact is, is that the stuff they use to build that stuff is incredibly strong. And those things stand the test of time. But the first year... We used a bunch of bricks, like, like red bricks, right? And bricks can be very heavy. They can be. Um, but that actually was not the hard part. The hard part was the concrete. And I don't know how many of you have worked with concrete, but some of us have made concrete like in a wheelbarrow or like in a bucket, and you put the, you know, the bag in there, the water, and you mix it and whatever, and that's not fun at all. If you have a big enough project, you can just make the forms and call the truck over and they'll just pour it in there, which is much easier. Uh, but in Honduras, they do it a little bit different, okay? They take the uh, rocks and the sand and the gravel, and they've got like this screen, and they take shovels full, and they've got to throw it through the screen to make sure that the stuff is the right size, and it's, and it's dirty, and it's messed up, and, and then we take all these different things, and we take the, the stuff, and we put it on the ground, Okay? On the ground. And then we take a hose and we add water into it and we take shovels and make this big thing of concrete. Okay? Not fun at all. There's no mixer. There's no making it easy. It's just shovels and the ground and hard, dirty work. And then we take it and we place it into forms to form. A structure, right? And so we basically were making this bathroom, we form pillars at the four corners of this bathroom. And then we, we'd make these wood forms and we'd take buckets of concrete up to the top and we pour it down into these wood forms and we make these pillars. And you can basically make concrete go into any form you want. You can shape it however you want. But what you really want is a strong shape, right? A strong form because that pillar is going to hold up the building. It's going to hold up the roof. It's going to be the thing that makes the building stand. And so they make these pillars in a strong form. Okay. Then we built the walls with bricks and mortar and so on, and they attached into these pillars and it stood strong. And there are lots of buildings made like this in Honduras, and it is very different than here. There's no code inspector coming by. There's no OSHA Right, it's just me and some other people making concrete on the ground and just throwing buildings up. Then no one cares, okay? But they stay; they're still there. They're super strong because concrete is super strong, and when you make pillars with concrete, they stand very, very strong. And so we look in First Timothy chapter three, and we get down to the fourteenth verse, and this is what what Paul says to Timothy: These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, the pillar and ground of the truth. So he's saying, look, you need to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. And what's the house of God? The church of the living God. What's the church? Not a building, not a temple like it used to be, not any of that, but the people that God is among his people and that the church is the people and that the church becomes the pillar and the ground of the truth, the pillar and the ground of the truth. There was a physical temple in Jerusalem. It was beautiful. It was nice. It had lots of pillars. It had lots of all that kind of stuff, but it was just a shadow of what the church was going to be. And the church at 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 that time and at this time is the people. It's you and me. It's made up of the people of God, those who are in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to testify to the truth. He came to turn the world right side up because the world is upside down. And it still is in many places and in many situations, the world is upside down. And we're his witnesses to the truth. That's who the church is. We are the pillar and the ground holding up the truth for the world to see. Now, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, online, I don't have time to buy books, the pillar is this, a strong vertical column made of stone, metal, or wood that supports part of a building or stands alone for decoration. A pillar supports a structure. It supports a building. As Jesus Christ Church, we support the truth. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy here, and he would have had a lot of um, understanding of Roman buildings, Roman pillars, right? And the way that they would have done their thing. And Roman buildings and pillars were made of concrete, just like the one that, I'm build, that I built out in, well, I didn't do it myself, but the one that I built out in Honduras, okay? Just like many buildings today. And here's the thing, that Roman concrete was actually 10 times weaker, than the stuff that we use today. Ten times weaker. And yet, 2,000 years later, as you can see on the screen, there's all kinds of pillars still standing. 2,000 years later. Even though it was ten times weaker than the concrete we use now, it was incredibly strong. And so when he uses this language about the pillar and the ground of the truth, they understood what they were talking about and what it meant. See, modern buildings are made up of something we call Portland cement. Portland cement is comprised of limestone, sandstone, ash, chalk, iron, and clay. Okay, A bunch of different things that are put together, and it's very strong. Roman buildings were made similarly. They were limestone and ash, like volcanic ash, and brick and volcanic rock. This is what they would have all put together. All these things would come together, and it would make this concrete. Lots of pieces of gravel and ash, and they're misshapen. And on their own, all these things are useless, okay? They're just pebbles and gravel and sand and dirt and ash. But when they're put together, and when water is added, they become incredibly strong. This incredibly strong material that can make beautiful buildings and pillars that can hold tons and tons of weight. Something that was just a piece of sand, can become part of something that can hold up the Parthenon. So we, as Christ's church, are the house of God, a building that is the pillar and the ground of truth, and Jesus is the cornerstone. You may have heard this imagery before, and a cornerstone is what's placed at the corner of a structure in in the foundation. It's the chief foundational stone in the foundation. It gives the building strength and ties it together. That's what the cornerstone does. Let's look at what the Word of God says in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, of the church, not of, not of some building, but of us, his church, the people of God. Concrete is, is still all separate, right? It, when you put it all together, we used to put it on the ground there in Honduras. It was still all separate. It was still a piece of this, a piece of that rock, gravel sand, this thing and that thing. But when you added water to it, it bound together. It became strong. You added water, and you put it in a form and became rock hard. I look at Jesus kind of as a cornerstone. I also look at him as kind of the water, the living water that comes together and takes all of us, us rough little pieces from all over. We were just dirt, or we were just sand, or we were just ash, gravel, whatever, and we're stuck in this place, and the living water of Jesus Christ comes together, and it forms us together, and we become formed hard and strong so that we can be the pillar for truth. I don't think that was lost on the author here that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this about the pillar and the ground of the truth, that we come together, we come together all these broken pieces to make something strong and beautiful that upholds the truth. Jesus is the head of the church, right? He's the cornerstone, brings us together, Holy Spirit empowering us to live lives for God, and he's the head of the church. Colossians 1 of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence." Jesus is the head of the church. We follow him. He's the head. He's the captain of the ship right? He's the one leading. He's the one in charge. He's the captain. And here's the thing. It's not me or another elder or another deacon or another leader or some some other great leader that's out there at some other church who's the head of the church. Only Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the only captain of the ship. And we, if we're in his church, we all follow him. He's the one who brought us together, melded us together, formed us together, is the cornerstone and the head and the leader, the captain of the ship. And let me tell you something. This ship, the church, is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. I've been on a cruise ship, a couple of them actually. um, And, hey, they're fun. There's lots of buffets and pools and the shuffleboard thing. I've always liked that. That's a good time. Um, But we're not doing anything on a cruise ship, right? Right? We go in a circle from this port, and we go to these other ports, and we come back. That's what we do in a cruise ship, right? We don't really do anything. In fact, I think that's the point. We're vacating. We're vacating, right? We're not accomplishing anything. We're chilling, relaxing, to the extent that you can relax in a pool full of kids, and you know what they're doing in there. And to the extent that you can relax in a bedroom the size of a bathroom stall, which is about how big the bedrooms are on a cruise ship, not that I'm complaining, I'll still go on one, I'm just saying, to that extent, you're relaxing, you're chilling, you're not doing anything, right? But a battleship has a mission and a goal and discipline and purpose. And I imagine you can still have fun on a battleship from time to time, but a battleship is not about chilling, It's not about chilling. It's about the adventure of purpose. The captain is leading us to victory. And we're on a mission to see the lost saved. It's very different than a cruise ship. We're on this mission to show the world that darkness has been defeated and to see the captives set free. And such were some of us. Such were all of us. On a cruise ship, I I don't have to know anyone do care who's in the cabin next to me, right? I don't have to get along with anyone. I'm just there doing my thing. The captain is just this guy in the white short shorts, right? And the hat walking around, you know, that's the captain of a cruise ship. He's just dry. Just get me to the place that it says on the ticket. I don't care, whatever, right? But the captain of a battleship, different guy. And the people on the battleship, different people. If you don't know them, if you're not connected to the people on the battleship, if you don't know them intimately, if you're not ready to serve by them, die by them, sacrifice for them, this battleship ain't going anywhere. And when it comes time for battle, nothing good is going to happen. If a cruise ship went into battle, I'm thinking things would be rough, right? And the captain of a battleship, you better respect. When the captain of the battleship gives an order, you better obey. And a battleship with the best captain is probably a battleship with a a captain where the people know that the captain loves them and would die for them too. Well, you have all of that in Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Now, one of these ships is useful for an eternal purpose, something that will be there forever. And one of them is useful for a tan, which is usually somewhat temporary. Jesus is serious about his church. He loves us. I mean, God loves us so much. And we think about who is Jesus, and we think about who we are, and they're so connected because we are his church. God shows us that he loves us. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.25. It says, husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And the elders of Christ's church are told this in the book of Acts, Acts 20, 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He purchased the church with his own blood. He gave his life for the church. That's who Jesus is. And we have to realize the significance of this. We have to understand what we're supposed to do, that we need to recognize that outside of who, who Jesus is, we're just gravel and dirt and sand and ash. We're not doing anything that important. It is Jesus Christ, the head, the cornerstone that brings us together and forms us and unites us into the house of God, into the pillar and ground of the truth. This Jesus, his truth, that brings light to the world. For those who are stumbling, those who are running from God, they will look to you, to the church, and see the truth. If we're truly formed together and we're truly being the church, the pillar and ground of the church, then those who are running, those who are far, those who are suffering, they will look to you and see the truth. Now, I did not always follow the truth. I wasn't always looking for Jesus. In fact, like all people, as Romans 1 talks about, I've suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. When I was a young man, I got into smoking marijuana with my friends. I have to tell this story this week because my parents will start being here soon. (laughs) I'm serious. Um, Hopefully they won't listen to this one online. It's bad. Okay. So uh, I used to be smoking, I used to smoke some marijuana with my friends. um, And here was the thing. There was sort of a lot of people at that time, and I think to this day, who were sort of talking about how it's totally okay to smoke marijuana, and they'd make all these arguments, these moral arguments, ethical arguments for why it's okay, right? It's from the earth, man. Like, okay, so is poison ivy and arsenic, but I'm not putting those in my body. Um, so I knew that the arguments are probably weak, right? But I wanted to stay in my sin because I liked doing what I was doing. And so what did I do? I kept smoking weed, and what I told myself was this. I reasoned with myself and said, I'm not going to think about whether it's right or wrong. There are some people over here saying maybe it's right. And sure, I haven't heard any arguments that are really convincing, but I'm not going to think about whether it's right or wrong. And that way I can say, maybe it is right. I don't really know. I'll just keep doing it and forget about whether it's right or wrong. That way I don't know for sure that it's wrong, right? Instead of looking to the truth, I allow myself to be willfully blind. Now, that's that's a term we use in the law, willful blind blindness. And let me explain to you kind of how it works. So if, if, uh, Glenn Cook decides to go and we're in Seattle and he goes up and he tells me, Hey, I just got this, you know, $10,000 watch from that guy over there. And the guy is over there with the trunk of his car with watches in it. Right. And he says, you know, I got, I got it over there and I'm thinking, well, uh, $10 for a $10,000 watch doesn't sound like it was an up and up type of deal. And Oh, the guy looked all right to me. Right. This is willful blindness. Well, it didn't look all right to you. The guy's super sketchy and the watch is engraved with someone other dude's name, right? But you're saying that you didn't know. And what does the law say about that when somebody is willfully blind? When it's obvious that you're receiving stolen property, but you want to say, I don't know. I didn't see him steal it. The law's like, ah, sorry. You cannot purposely be ignorant of something. You cannot purposely push away and not think about whether the thing is right or wrong. The law basically says you, you were not ignorant. And even if you were ignorant, you don't have any excuse for being ignorant because you wanted to be ignorant. Now listen, we're his church, the pillar and ground of truth. We're holding up the truth high. We're holding up the truth so that people have to be willfully blind not to see it. They have to be willfully blind not to see it. We will not leave room for doubt. There will be no excuse for people not to see the truth of Jesus Christ. Other than that, they did not want to see it. That is the job of the church. Okay? If you're, there are people who in New York City, in Manhattan, they walk around and they're, and when they're not really sure where they are and they want to orient themselves, you know, they get off the subway and they're not used to this stop and they want to orient themselves to where they are. Some people will look up and find the Empire State Building. And if they can see the Empire State Building, they have some idea of where on the island of Manhattan they are and which way they need to go. They use this structure, this pillar, to orient themselves to the truth of where they are. That's our job. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. We are this building, this house of God, that is held up high by the strength of the concrete of the body of Christ, that people look to and are drawn towards Christ and are oriented towards the truth. That's why our foundation has to be solid, because people will always be looking towards Jesus Christ when they see us, towards the author and the finisher of our faith. It's you. It's you that radiate the light of Jesus Christ. Not by yourself running around as a little piece of gravel or ash or dirt or sand. That's not how it works. But by bringing your unique gifts to the body of Christ to be united with others, we can be strong together as that living water of Jesus Christ brings us, forms us, puts us, in, and we grow strong we are radiating the truth to other people. That is why we proclaim the truth from the word of God without apology, week after week after week, in love, but without apology. That is why we show the strength of the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's our Lord, our Savior, our King, our friend. We, we tell people this We over and over, whether it's on a Sunday morning, whether it's at a life group, whether it's a women's event, whether it's at a men's event whether it's in Honduras, whether it's in the Philippines, whether it's just talking to our coworkers, we are this tower, this pillar of truth in a world of shifting sand. We work together, we pray together, we move together. as this pillar because when we're strong in Christ, we get the amazing honor of getting to be part of his work in saving people from sin and darkness. That only works though if we're hardened. That only works, though, if we're truly a pillar, if we're truly a pillar for truth. You you may think to yourself, I go to church. I go to church. Church is like an event, or it's a place, or it's a program. But when I think about these scriptures, and when we think about these scriptures, we've got to realize the church is so much more than that. We are His Church. We are his church. Who is Jesus? He is the cornerstone of his people. You, the church. That's who Jesus is the pillar formed in strength to hold up the truth and bring good news to men and women and children all over the world. That's who we are. That's who he is. And and listen, he's not done. Talked about those wood forms form us into that pillar, form us into a strong shape. He's not done doing that, because some of us still have some rough edges, you know. I mean, I, not so much me, but my wife, I, you know, I have to work with her on that. So she's not here either this week, so she doesn't know. He's still forming us. He's still building us, and we're still building and edifying each other. Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Ephesians 4 15 through 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And Jesus is forming us, he's making us so much more together. Earlier we read, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And right after that it says, that he may sanctify and cleanse her, that is the church, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That is what Jesus is doing in us, among us, and for us, making us perfect making us perfect. That's what he does. And here's the amazing part to me. We're not responsible. We're not responsible for making this thing. Jesus does the work. Jesus does the work because it's his church. We are his, and we live and move and have our being in him, And in the power of the Holy Spirit, the church has been dynamically moving for over 2,000 years. But it's his power. It's his work. It's his plan. He's the captain. He's the head. He's the cornerstone. All we have to do is give ourselves to him and relax. And that helps me because sometimes I think I can get lost in this. The church is all this work. The church is setting up all this stuff. The church is, you know, making sure I do this and that and the other thing, making sure we're there for the things we volunteer for, making sure whatever. And listen, all of those things help the church do the work that the church does, but they are not the thing. The thing is Jesus. Every time that you are struggling, every time that you're going through something and you're thinking, oh gosh, I got to do this for the church, I got to do that for the church, or I'm going through this or I'm going through that. This is my suggestion. Just stop and say, Jesus, are you here right now with me? Are you here right now? Are we in relationship right now? Because that is the most important thing in the world because he's the cornerstone. You get nowhere without him. He's the head. You get nowhere without him. He's the one who's doing the work. And so slow down and make sure that you're oriented to the truth yourself, which means that Jesus is there. And you're in that relationship with him, trusting him, loving him, growing in that relationship. For some of us, it's kind of like a mental thing. It's kind of out there, right? I believe in the Bible and the things that it says, but that relationship between me and Jesus either isn't very close or has grown to the point where it's not very close. Don't let that be the case because if that's the case, you weren't weren't tied in to the cornerstone. You need to be laying your life down laying it down in front of Jesus all the time, feeling the pleasure, the joy of that relationship with him because he is the cornerstone. He is the thing that's tying you together with the person sitting next to you right now, whether that's your wife or your husband or your friend or some kind of strange-looking dude that you don't know. All of those things can be going on in this room. Whoever that is, if they're in Christ, it's Jesus Christ that's holding you together. Don't get lost in anything when you think about the church except for Jesus because it's his church. Because when we say, who is Jesus? We've got to say, Jesus is the one who the church is for. Jesus is the one who bought the church. Jesus gave his blood for the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the thing that's holding us up as that pillar and ground of the truth. Now, this local expression of the body of Christ, of Christ church, has a new adventure in front of it. As many of you know, we're merging together with another body. And here's the thing that's cool about what we're talking about today is that Jesus Christ will form us both together, the two bodies together, like concrete, so that we can hold the truth up higher and stronger in his name and holy for his glory in this place. Because the more of us, yeah. I want to be part of that. Do you want to be part of that? Ask yourself, do I want to be part of that? Do I want to see Jesus do the work of melding us together with more believers that we can be even stronger that we can lift even higher the truth in this place where it's so desperately needed, where our kids are committing suicide, where drugs and and sexual immorality and and all kinds of ugliness are going on all over the place around us? Do we want to be the one thing that's not floating away on the seas of postmodernism and secularism? Do we want to be that pillar and ground that's saying, hey, there really is truth. Look to the church and you will see Jesus. That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be, and I want to be part of that. And I believe you want to be part of that. And we can rest in the power of God the Father, his Holy Spirit giving us the strength to serve and grow to do this thing in Jesus Christ's body, his church, you and me. Acts Church is one expression of that body. We're formed together with every other expression of that body across all time and distance Forever. We have in that all those little pieces of aggregate and gravel and whatever, in those, we're all part of one big one. And there's the little piece of ash that was Peter and Paul and Stephen the deacon, and Luther, and Calvin, and Wesley, and all these believers across time, and Catherine Conrad, and Sherry Ware, and Hunter Croft, and Patrick Murdoch, and and I could go through and name every one of you, right? All of those people, you're, you're all in the same mixture with all the great believers from all time, all those who wrote the Bible. We're all part of one thing. We're all part of one thing. Every one of us who is called on the name of the Lord for salvation is part of that. And that it's so amazing when you think about it that Jesus Christ is holding all of that together. And we're going to continue to exhort and encourage and pray and defend one another. And we'll continue to love and serve and march forward because we know and we understand that the church isn't about us and what we do, but it's about Jesus Christ always. We will be his church. We're going to continue to express the love of Jesus Christ here in this room, in this place, in this city, in the Vancouver-Portland area, and around the world until his kingdom is established and his truth has penetrated the hearts of all those who will call on his name. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be his church, the pillar and ground of truth, holding up the solidity. The solidity of the perfection of his truth against secularism, against postmodernism, and against every other ism that lies and deceit and darkness can come up and throw against us. And they all will be on shaky foundations. They will all fall down as we hold up the ground and pillar of truth. The only thing that will remain standing. That will be us. And we're not just going to church. We're not just a church. We are his church. You're walking around in life, the son or daughter of the king. You're going through things. You're you're dealing with things, and you feel alone sometimes, and you feel afraid sometimes, and things are difficult sometimes. You don't know what to do sometimes. And listen, you're his church. Always. You are in his kingdom. Always. You have nothing to fear. Nothing. You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'm not saying that bad things will never happen, but you don't need to fear them because you're his church. If he loves you so much, he said, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. Why? Because he gave himself for her. Because he purchased you with his blood. Do you truly think that he doesn't have your best in mind? That if you go through something, it's not for a reason? You are Christ's church. You are connected to him. You are connected to your own family in Christ. And even your own family, who's in Christ, who's in your family... Through Jesus Christ. Don't walk around afraid when you're his church. You've got a captain. Trust the captain. Trust the Lord. We're not just here doing church or whatever, doing a program. Sing a couple songs, rah, rah, three points, see you later. That's just not who we are. We are Jesus Christ. Christ's church and it's about Jesus and it's for Jesus and it's with Jesus and it's in Jesus and it's always Jesus every day all the time and here's a simple way for us to be his church Acts 2 42 it says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine that means studying the word being taught the word in the power of the Holy Spirit studying it understanding the word of God it says, and fellowship, fellowship, being together of one accord, melded together, formed together like concrete, like a pillar, right? The body of Christ dedicated to one another, a shield wall, all these images and the imagery that we have, it's all about unity and being together and being one accord and moving forward against the gates of hell. That's what we do as a church, fellowship in the breaking of bread, which is eating together, one of my favorite parts. Also sharing community together, remembering what Christ has done for us. Remembering the cost of his blood that purchased you, his church. And in prayers. This is important. This is one where I struggle sometimes. Getting that prayer life to the place where it's powerful. Talking with Jesus. Petitioning our Father in heaven for each other, for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, for this broken world. Praying for the sick, for those in need, and praising God for all the wonderful things he's given us. Praising God that we get to be his church. We could be out there still a piece of ash or sand or gravel blowing around in the wind like we were before Jesus Christ found us and brought us and melded us together with the people that are around you. For those who are outside the church who say, I don't need the church, "I, I don't even understand that. All the strength comes from Jesus Christ bringing us together. Be thankful that you are in his church. Be thankful in all things, trusting him in all things, in everything. And listen, if we do that, if we do these things, we will be his church, and we will be the pillar and the ground of uh, of truth. And people all over will look to us, and we will see people go from death to life. We will see people go from death to life. If we'll be that empire state building, if we'll be that tall pillar of truth standing strong, that when they're struggling and when they're suffering and when they're finally ready to stop being willfully blind and they're willing to look for the truth, they're going to see us, and seeing us, they're going to see Jesus Christ. If we'll just do what he's called us to do. Who is Jesus? He's the head and the cornerstone of this church, of his church. He's our cornerstone. Let's pray. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.